Well, turning your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to look really at the last two verses, 17 and 18. We've been seeing that. We're seeing over these weeks the basically what Peter said. We're looking at his context, the statements, how they fit together. We're near to the end of the study. We're calling this the last writings of Peter, and this is his last words. And, and what he does in this area, he gives a warning and gives encouragement. That's what we've seen. In the last few weeks, we saw the warning. He said, be very careful, don't go after false teachers, don't get carried away and fall from your own steadfastness, quit growing, that kind of thing. We spent some time understanding what it means to fall from our own steadfastness. It's not a loss of salvation, of course, because you can't lose your salvation, but it's falling from growing and being a steadfast, effective Christian. And this next lesson, we're really going to talk about growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we've been seeing that. This week, we're going to focus on grace. And, then, and a little bit more next time, and then also on knowledge. And so we want to be encouraged as we go through this. Well, there are a lot of great truths and principles from the Bible that, that we love. And one of them is the love of God. It says, we realize God loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Another key word, and this is what we're going to be talking about this morning, is the whole issue of grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You understand that a lot of people use the word grace. They talk about grace. They say it's the grace of God. But when it really gets down to it, it's not really grace. They've added something to it. They've done things. Grace is actually unmerited favor. It's getting what we do not deserve. It's, 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 it, you know, it's not earned. It's freely given. It's a gift. That's what grace is. And if, if I said to you, I like to give you this, but I put some kind of strings on it, like, but you've got to come pick it up, or I'm going to give you this gift, and, but you've got to pay me $5 for it. Or, that's not not a gift. A gift is something freely given, and grace of God is freely given. And this, listen, we're going we're gonna, to uh, look at this. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace, and we're going to talk about in this passage, growing in grace. And that's an idea. So we're near the end of the study. In fact, just a couple more lessons. Peter's final words. We saw the warning. 2 Peter 3.17, guard yourselves, do not follow after false teachers. You will fall from your steadfastness, your growth, and your impact as a believer. When it says, lest you be carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, it doesn't mean anything about losing salvation. It means you're going to fall away from the great truths and principles, from growing, from being a godly person, from obeying God, from living according to Scripture, and you're going to fall away from that. And when you do that, you don't cease to be a believer, but you cease to be, start being gaining rewards and being able to serve and those kind of things. So he, he, he warns us. He says, therefore, beloved, knowing this, guard yourself. Don't fall away. Don't get up with the error of unprincipled men, false teachers, and fall for your own steadfastness. But if you look at verse 18, but there's a contrast. But do what? Don't fall away, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so there's the warning, but then there is this powerful thing of to, the encouragement to grow in the grace of knowledge. And then he ends up by saying, to him, to Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. He, God, Jesus Christ gets all the glory. So when we don't fall away and when we keep growing in the grace of knowledge of Christ, who gets the glory? Jesus Christ does. Yeah. He says, to him, Christ, Jesus, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Man. So as we start with verse 18, we're seeing the contrast. Don't do this, but, verse 18, here's the contrast. Not fall away, but to grow. And the way it literally written in the Greek is like, keep on growing. He doesn't just say grow, maybe grow once. He says, but continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Keep on growing. That's why if you read in 1 Peter 2, 2, he is a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word. And just a brand new baby wants to drink the milk all the time. What we're supposed to do is desire the sincere milk of the word. to will say, I want to know the scripture. I want to put it together. I want to be able to apply it in my life. I want to keep on growing. I want to keep on doing this. Hebrews 5 says, here's the plan to grow and mature so that we can discern right from wrong. If you've ever read Hebrews 5, which is right before Hebrews 6, which is where everybody has issues, he basically says, by this time you ought to be a teacher, somebody needs to teach you again. You need to know and understand the elementary principles of God. You need to be able to understand what's right and what's wrong and that kind of thing. And so Hebrews 5 is saying we need to grow and keep on going. So we're going to talk about grace. And, and sometimes we, at, at our church, we'd say, we all, every one of us, we all know about grace. We don't really need to talk about grace. But we do. We're going to talk about grace. And we're going to look at it this way. I'm going to go over these things. We're going to look at what is grace. We're going to look grace at the Old Testament and the New Testament, the words and the meanings. Then we're going to see God's grace for the whole world, people, believers, everything, the grace of God for salvation, Christian life, and the future. We're going to talk about that. And then response to the grace of God. And it'll take us really two lessons to look through this, okay? So let, let's talk about grace. Let's define grace. Let's understand what it really is. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Grace is a gift. And when we say salvation is by the grace of God, and when it says by grace you have been saved through faith, it's not of yourselves. We're saying you don't do things to be saved. You take the gift of eternal life, which is, comes by faith. Faith is not a work. Faith is simply being persuaded. Faith is taking God at his word. You believe the truth, and you're saved. It's the grace of God. There are three words. Justice, justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Those are, they're okay. They're, that's, there's people say that that's not exactly right, but it, it looks okay. Justice is getting what we deserve. And you don't want the justice of God, by the way. Not on you. The justice of God would be you'd be separated forever because you've all, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We want the mercy of God. It's, you know, not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. And then we sure want the grace of God. That's getting what we don't deserve. By grace, you've been saved through faith. Notice that, you know, you think about it. It's your birthday, and somebody brings you a present. What did you do to get that present? Uh, your mother did all the work when you were born, right? And you didn't do anything. And so even on your birthday, somebody says, I got this present for you. You don't say, how much do I owe you? Right? You don't say, listen, uh, I'll give you this present if you'll give me a piece of cake. I mean, it's not even a, sw- it's not a swap deal, right? You get the present whether they get cake or not, right? It's, it's a gift. And so Romans eleven six talks about salvation. If, if it's grace, if it's grace, it's not works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Grace and works cannot go together. How many works do you have to have to have it not grace? How many? How many? Just one. Yeah, how many works do you have to have? Well, if you do any work, you no longer have grace. So just grasp that and put that together, that idea. Uh, Romans 4, 5, to him who does not work but believes his faith is credited for righteousness. It's always the grace of God. So let's talk about grace in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there's the word hen, H-E-N. It means to give freely or to freely give. 
over and over, God is called a God of grace. In the Old Testament, that's the word that's used over and over and over again. In the New Testament, there's a word chorus, which is used so many times, it means unmerited favor. It means getting what you do not deserve. That's the idea. And the root there is a gift. And so when you see that word in the, in the Bible, it has an idea of a gift that was given. Grace is used 170 times in the Bible, some in the Old Testament, some in the New Testament, but 131 times in the New Testament the word of grace is used. Beginning with Genesis 6, verse 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, all the way to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, the grace of our Lord be with you. That's the beginning and the end. And that's what we see in the Scripture. It's grace, always grace. We're going to talk a little bit in a minute. I'm going to say, how do you know if you actually understand grace? Okay, I'm going to tell you in a minute, how do you can know it, okay? But let's keep going. Let's talk about that God is a God, God's, God's grace. God is a God of grace. Look what it says. God is a God of grace. Exodus 34, 6, he is compassionate, compassionate and gracious. Nehemiah 9, God is of God of forgiveness and grace. Psalm 111, he is a gracious God. Psalm 145, he is gracious and merciful. It's all through the Bible. Over 50 Psalms request for God to be gracious. That's what they're all about. And so the grace of God is often missed, and the grace of God is often misunderstood. As I said earlier, there'll be people say, oh, yeah, I believe in the grace of God. But they really don't because they don't understand it. They don't understand what grace really means. And we're going to talk about it before we're through. But let's turn, let's turn to Titus chapter 2. This is a famous passage. If you've ever been really in almost any of our Bible studies, any things that I've taught over the years, we always look at, at the book of Titus, and we look at Titus chapter 2, verses 11, 12, and 13. There you see the grace of God. And it's incredible in this passage because we see the grace of God has appeared and it appears in three different places, three different aspects. And in fact, let me put this up so you can see it. There's the grace of God that's eternal life salvation, that's redemption. There's the grace of God for the Christian life as you deny ungodliness and live righteously. And there's the grace of God for the future looking for the blessed hope. So Titus chapter 2, 11, 12, and 13 give us the grace of God. And chapter, verse 11 gives you the grace of God for salvation. Verse 12 gives you the grace of God for the Christian life. And verse 13 gives you the grace of God for the future. That's what we see. And so I want you to, let's, let's talk about salvation. So here at Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Does that mean all people are saved? No, it means the grace of God has appeared that it's possible for what? All people to what? To be saved. Whoever will believe will have eternal life. Jesus Christ died for some people. He died for what? All people. He is the, in fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says, Jesus Christ is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. And the idea there is he's made it possible that any person could be saved. It's the grace of God. He does that. He's the way, the truth, and the life. It's the grace of God for salvation. And let's, let, let's, let me go back here. So as we see those three things, the, we, we see this whole idea of the grace of God. Let's talk about grace of God for salvation. 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. This is the idea that God's grace has made it possible for people to be saved. And he brings salvation to the world. And there's two things to think about. His grace in sending a Savior, because he didn't have to do that. 
And he could have said, I'll send a Savior if you'll do the following things. He says, I'll send a Savior. You remember, where's the promise of sending the first? Where's the first promise of sending the Savior? Where is the first promise in the Bible that God says, I will send a Savior? And it's not based on what you do. Huh? How about Genesis? How about where he says the seed of woman will crush the head of the serpent? That's a promise at the very beginning of the Bible that God's going to send a Savior. He didn't say, Adam and Eve, clean up your life, get your act together, and I will send a Savior. He says, I am sending a Savior. The seed of woman will crush the head of the serpent. So we're going to see grace in sending a Savior, and then we're going to see the whole idea of grace in being saved. So let's talk about grace in sending the Savior. God in His grace has provided a Savior. As I said, well, ago, He didn't have to do it. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except what? Except through me. He's the Savior. He's the way. Look at this right here, 1 Corinthians 1, 4. I thank my God always concerning you for what? For the grace of God, which was given to you, given you in who? Christ Jesus. God's grace was given to every one of us in this room through who? Through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven to become a human being so he could go and die on the cross and pay for sin and rise again and give the gift of eternal life to all who would simply what? Believe. It's the grace of God. I love Hebrews 2.9. Sort of a long verse, but at the end of the verse it says, by the grace of God that Jesus, that Jesus Christ would taste death for every person. Did Jesus Christ die for every person? You know, there are people who don't believe that. There are people who teach just the opposite. But the Bible is very, very clear. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He might taste death for everyone. In First Peter, First Timothy, he says that He sent Himself as the ransom for all. And Peter, he says, the just for the unjust. So all the way through the Bible, Jesus dies for everybody. There's never where he says, I only died for certain people. He says, I died for everybody. This is the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Every human being that's ever existed cannot say, well, he didn't do anything for me. Yes, he did. He did what? In his grace, he provided a way of salvation for every human being. That's his grace. The second, First uh, John 2, 2, he's the satisfactory payment not for our sins only, but for what? The sins of the whole world, the entire world. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. When somebody ever says to you, Jesus only died for certain people, just say First John 2, 2. Just say it, First John 2, 2. He's the satisfactory payment. He's not a potential payment. He's a payment, a satisfactory payment, the payment that satisfies God. He is the satisfactory payment not for our sins only, but for the entire world. It's very clear. So did Jesus die for everybody? Is, through the grace of God, did God send a Savior for everybody? answer is yes. Second part is there's the whole grace in being saved. We're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Think about it. By grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. I've had people say, well, you have to do this. I say, well, it's not of yourselves. It's to get to God, lest anyone should what? Boast. Do you know if it's of yourself? If you do anything to be saved, guess what you can say? I did that to be saved. If walking down an aisle will save you, you can say, I walked down the aisle. 
If turning away from all your sins will save you, you could say, I turned away from all my sins. That has nothing to do with salvation. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not yourself. It's a gift, not of works, lest anyone should be able to say, I did it. You've taken a gift. Salvation is grace that we are saved. We don't do anything. Realize that we don't do anything to be saved. We take the gift given to us by God based on his son, Jesus Christ. Wow. When you believe, what do you get? You have to earn that? You have to keep on keeping on to keep it, right? Do you have to do anything to keep it? No. What if you're not faithful? Still got it? Yeah. He, he promised it, did he not? Wow. Now, you want to know if you really understand the grace of God. You can believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, and you can never serve him, do anything, and actually turn away from him. And if you understand you're still saved, you're understanding grace. The understanding grace is saying, it's not what I do, not what I keep doing. It's nothing. I'm taking a gift and I'm saved forever. And there'll be plenty of people who will say to you, oh yeah, it's faith alone and Christ alone. But now if you turn away from God, it just showed you, you know, they start naming all this stuff. Listen, when you can understand grace and you say, it's not anything I've ever done, I'm doing now or ever will do. It is a gift given to me. You're beginning to grasp grace. And there's a lot of people that they won't grasp it. You'll say, if you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. Yes. So that means no matter whatever happens, you have eternal life and you'll be in heaven with Jesus. And people will go, well, I mean, I don't know. Because they don't understand grace yet. So you can always tell when a person understands grace. Just tell them, you believe in Jesus and you're saved forever no matter what, no matter how you live, no matter what you do, are you saved forever? And many people will say, no, you're not. They don't understand grace. They may say they understand grace, but they don't. Now, let me ask you this question. Because we said that, does that mean we can live any way we want? Of course not. We want to live righteously and godly, and we want to live for Jesus Christ. We want to serve him. We want to do all this. But that has nothing to do with our eternal life salvation. So, Titus 3.7, we are justified by his grace. Wow. Now, let's talk about, real quickly, and we'll just hit on this, and we'll come back and get a little bit more of this next, next week. But let's talk about grace for the Christian life. And that's the next verse. Look what he goes on to say. Instruct, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. The grace of God has appeared, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. When? When? What does it say? In this present age. We're talking about Christian life. The grace of God. It's the grace of God. Why should you serve God? In the first service, we, we're going through the, the uh, churches. And, and one of the churches has left their love, left their, the first love, which is loving God. And they're not serving out of love for God. Are we supposed to serve out of love and grace? Are we supposed to say to God, because you love me and because what you've done for me, I want to serve you? Isn't that right? It's, we, didn't, we don't say to God, well, I deserved it. How many of us deserve eternal life? 
How many of us deserve to be able to live the Christian life in God's power based on the word of God? None of us. None of us deserve anything. So what does the grace of God teach us? It says deny ungodliness and live righteously. Grace of God says because of what he has done for you and given you a gift forever, what should you do? You say, well, gosh. What if a guy came to you and said, I'm going to give you a $200,000 car. And you say, what do I have to do? And he said, nothing. It's a gift. You got, wow. So what are you going to do? You're never going to change the oil. You're never going to take care of it at all. You're never going to wash it, right? No. You say, God, look what I got. Look, look what I have. Wow. Well, you got what? You got eternal life. And you got a life to live for him. And are you going to say, well, he gave me everything, but I don't really care. No, the grace of God teaches us what? To deny ungodliness and to live righteously. In fact, I like how he puts it, deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. What has he done for us even now? Uh, he provides, Philippians 4.19. He protects, Hebrews 13. He gives spiritual gifts, 1 Peter 14. What did you do to get your spiritual gift? You had to say, well, I'm going to try real hard. No, what did he say? He said, the moment you trust in me, Holy Spirit deposits to you a spiritual, at least one spiritual gift, that you can serve me. All right, we can come to him anytime, right? Come to him anytime. First Peter says he gives us what we need for life and godliness. He's done it all. How should we respond? The grace of God. God keeps giving and giving and giving and giving. And he says, I'll provide for you and I'll take care of you and I will protect you and I, I will give you gifts and I will do this and I'll do this. And what should we say? I don't care. No, we should say, I want to live for you because the grace of God encourages us to deny ungodliness and to live righteously. Now, let me, let me show you some things and we'll stop. Some things that... that the grace of God actually teaches us, okay? Here it is. The grace of God teaches that the Christian life is not a set of laws and rules. It's not. There are a lot of Christians who think we're under laws and rules, and they have them in their churches. They make the rules and laws and say, you've got to live the Christian life, you can't do this. Smoke, drink, movies, you know, just think of all the past of what you've heard. Where, you know, how, how short is your dress? How long is this? How many did you go to this movie? Do you play cards? Do you drink? Should you ever drink? What about smoking? What about this? What about? And they've got every rule that you could ever name. Christian life is not a set of rules. It's the law of love. It's the law. It's called the law of love or the law of Christ that we love God and love others. That's the rules. It's not a set of rules and laws. And they're everywhere. So when you start talking about the Christian life and the grace of God, you're going to find people who say, you better do the following things. Okay. The second thing it teaches us, we have the power to live for Christ. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, we can have great victory. So the Christian life... And the grace of God teaches us Christian life, not laws. And the Christian life, that the Christian life, we, it gives us the power to live for him. The third thing it does, it, that we are to deal, it teaches us to deal with one another in grace. If God was so gracious to us, what should we do to others? 
2 Corinthians 9 says, give to other people. Give and reach out to them. If God is so gracious to us, there's a passage that says, if he forgave us, we ought to do what? Forgive others. Well, if he's gracious to us, what should we do with others? Gracious. What's the golden rule? Do unto others as what? You want them to do unto you? That's what it really is boiled down to. Grace of God also teaches us that we're to proclaim the message of salvation, which is a grace message. The message, Jesus died and rose again. The response is to believe, and the offer is eternal life. It's all the way through the Bible, and it's all a grace message. It's not works at all. In fact, you can find time after time after time where it says, not by works of righteousness we've done, but of course, mercy save us. By grace you're saved through faith, not yourself, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift. Over and over and but to him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. We maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Knowing a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith. And Jesus, it's over and over and over in the Bible that it's not works, it's faith alone in Christ. But most people don't understand that because they don't understand grace. The fifth one is we're to serve one another in grace. That's Keith. First Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Take what God's given us and use it. Serve one another in grace. See, when you serve others, you, you don't serve them to get something back. That'd be works. You serve them out of grace because you're not expecting anything. You're doing it as a gift. You're not saying, I'll come do this if you'll do this for me. I mean, that's really the world. The world says, you do scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You do something for me, I'll do something for you. Grace says, I'll do something for you. What do you want? Nothing. I'm doing something for you. That's called grace. Because that's how God deals with us. Well, next time, we'll continue in the grace of God because we're going to see the third part, looking for the blessed hope. And then we'll also start talking a little bit about the whole idea of being found faithful and those kind of things. So let's look at some application. Let's understand God's grace in our lives, right? Most people don't. When you understand it, you realize you're different than most people. You grasp it. You grasp it. Salvation, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, all who believe have eternal life. That's the, the grace of God for salvation. It's all done. For the Christian life, it's God's grace. It's the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, to walk of faith, living for Him, and, and living out who we are in the grace of God. In the future, looking for the blessed hope. What are we doing to make Jesus come back? Nothing. It's the grace of God. We're looking for the what? The blessed hope. Okay? That's what it all boils down to. Understand the grace of God in our lives. And then here's the second one, which, of course, we all know. Let's proclaim the grace message. If you don't understand it, if you, right now, if you were sitting in here and you said, I'm not sure I could share my faith, all you know is John 3, 16. Just know it. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. The message is he gave him to die and rise again. That whosoever would believe, that's response is to believe, would never perish but have what? Everlasting life. That's the offer. The message, he died and rose again. The response is to believe the offer is eternal life. Every one of us in this room can go to that verse and clearly tell anyone how to have eternal life. You don't have to memorize 
20 other verses, it's okay to, in fact, I want, we ought to memorize bunches of verses, but to share our faith, all you need is one verse. And all you need to remember, he died and rose again. If you believe, you have eternal life. It's that simple.